We're in a series right now called Real Success. And one of the joys about real success is that it's genuine. It's not something that's going to fade away after a short period of time. It's something that is going to last. Something as, as a joy as a Christian is knowing that when we serve our God, the creator of the universe, we're not doing it for such a short period of time. We're doing something that's going to last, not just for now, but for all eternity. And you think through in your mindset it with success. And we've been developing and, and growing over the last few weeks. We talked about remembering the source of success, which is, of course, God and his blessings. Then we began to define success, which we'll look at in a few moments' time. And then from there, we talked last week about the fact that God is interested in your success, not a get-rich-quick scheme, but as far as he's heavily invested in you. You don't die on the cross for the sins of an individual and say, well, yeah, I really didn't mean that. He has a, a desperate desire for you. And as we look this morning, it's the fact that we're going to talk about setting godly goals. What we're going to do this morning is begin with a, a teaching from the Word of God from Philippians chapter number 3. Which have your Bibles, go ahead and open to Philippians chapter 3. We'll be there in a few moments' time. And we're going to start there, and then what we're going to do is spend the second half of the message making application for our lives and trying to put it into the various boxes of wherever you are in your Christian life. As you think through where you are, if you could have three goals right now, in your mind, think through, what are some of the goals that you have for your life? And they may be really good goals. They may be goals that you are too embarrassed to say out loud right now, but you have goals. Think through and, and process in your mind, what sort of goals do you have? And the second question is, could you honestly ask God to help you bless those goals? Or are they different and distinct from him? I believe that when we follow God and allow God's word, the Bible, to speak to us, and we are seeking, as the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then it goes on and says, and all these things will be added unto you. When we are seeking the things of God, I firmly believe that he shows us what he wants us to do so that we can be equipped to follow through with the plan that he has for us. Every single Sunday we have a principle, and this Sunday we have a principle that's actually a Bible verse. Because I was reading through and I was like, it says it perfectly, why should I have to rewrite it? In Philippians chapter number 3, verse 14, the Apostle Paul write, wrote this principle, but it's our principle for this Sunday. It says this, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We are to be pressing forward on an upward goal. What goal do you have for you and your life? Does it match up with God's plan for your life? Our definition of success for this entire series is, is this. Success is the continuing achievement of becoming the person God wants you to be and accomplishing the goals God has helped you set. If you notice in that, that what it says there, it says, the person God wants you to be, and the goals that God has helped you set. He is foundational. And this morning, we're going to begin with a foundation. And as we look at a foundation for our lives and what God has for us in our lives and setting godly goals, it's all well and good to have a big aspiring goal, but if it doesn't have a good 
firm foundation, then it will not stand. A building will not stand without a good, firm foundation. There's a, a new apartment complex going in in Cabana Bay. You know, they're building on, quite literally, sand. You know, the, you, you, you know the, the Bible story about the, the wise men that built upon the rock? And I was speaking with one of the builders who comes to our church, and they put these big pylons, not through into the sand. They go through past the sand into the bedrock, and that's where they find the foundation. For you and I, if we're going to go into one of those buildings, I want to know that it goes further than just the slab on the, that I can see. I want it to go deep. And for you and I in our lives, as we move forward in setting godly goals, there's going to be goals that you have right now that seem incredibly overwhelming. And in a decade's time, you look back upon them and go, that was so small in compared to what God has for me today. To personalize this for me, when I first felt a burden or a calling to go into pastoral ministry, it absolutely terrified me. And honestly, it still is humbling and terrifying. But what scared me was the public speaking. And you don't scare me anymore. The thought of standing in front of people and how am I, how am I going to do this? And what am I going to have to say? And I realized that, you notice I was saying I, I, I. Well, if you go back to that definition, success is a continuing achievement of becoming the person that God wants you to be and to accomplishing the goals that God has helped you set. It goes from me to God-focused. If you look through the, the Old Testament, a quick flipping through the Old Testament as you read through, there's some incredible accounts. And then you go into the New Testament of incredible accounts of people that have been called by God to do absolutely remarkable things. It doesn't take you very long to get in through the book of Genesis before you come across a character named Noah. Now Noah was called by God to build a boat the ark that was going to save the world and, and all the animals upon it. The incredible thing is, that wasn't his idea. And you continue on, and you, and you see Abraham. And God called Abraham, go from Ur of the Chaldees to a land I will show you. And he goes and pro makes him promises, I'm going to make your descendants like the stand of the sea, like the stars of the heaven. You think that was Abraham's idea? No. He calls Moses from a bush and says, take your shoes off. Where you're standing is holy ground. I'm going to use you to liberate your people from, from Egypt. And as he did that, of course, Moses quite literally goes, I, 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 I can't talk. I can't do this. And he got, God goes, I know you can't, but I can through you. It wasn't his idea at all. Going through and you look at the characters like Daniel or if you know the book of Hosea. Hosea was a man who was a prophet of God, who was called by God to use his life as an example. And he was called by God to marry a woman named Gomer. Tell you what, my wife's name is Tammy. So the second favorite name for a woman is Gomer. And what a lovely name, Gomer. And Gomer, though, her life was an example. She was a prostitute, and she was unfaithful to Hosea. And Hosea quite literally had to buy her back out of slavery because she had sold herself into prostitution and into slavery. And he had to buy her back, and it was a picture of what God was doing with the nation of Israel and ultimately with you and I when he buys our salvation and buys us back from the, the consequences of our sins. 
Do you think that was Hosea's idea? Oh, someday I really want to marry a woman that's unfaithful to me. The disciples, Jesus meets the disciples and says, follow me, I will make you fishers of men. They were there mending their nets. They had no idea what God had for them. Look at Mary, young virgin Mary as a teenager. The angel comes to her and says, you know, blessed are you among women. And she goes, who, me? You think that was Mary's idea? All these incredible accounts are things that were God's idea. It wasn't man's idea and God got on board. It was God's idea, and we simply had to conform to the image and the the calling of God. So this morning, what we're going to look at is we're going to look at the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul in the book of, of Philippians, the entire purpose of the book of Philippians is joy. And if you look at Philippians chapter number four, verse number four, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. And you go on in verse number 13. It says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. The whole theme of the, the book is to have joy, joy in our relationship with God. So to set that as a foundation, if that's the goal, how is the Apostle Paul writing this to a real church and ultimately to you and I today? How is he writing this so that we can ultimately have joy and have do all things through Christ who strengthens me? How do we achieve that? It's all well and good to tell a grumpy person, just be happy. I don't know, ladies, this is, a, a, this is totally off my notes, and this is a genuine help for you. If your husband's grumpy, don't tell him don't be grumpy. That doesn't help. I mean, that's not anything personal from this week at all. That's, like, that's just total <laughs> side note. But you know what's incredible? Is that we need a real source of joy. I can't just say, well, power of positive thinking, I'll be able to do it. I can do all things through me because I give myself a lot of strength. Not at all. If we need to go back to the foundation, let's begin looking at Philippians chapter number three and the beginning part of this chapter. We're going to look at the fact that we're pressing towards God's goals. That's our first point for this morning is pressing towards God's goals. Philippians chapter three, the first six verses. The Apostle Paul is writing, and he's giving basically his personal resume. He's explaining his history and what he's he's accomplished in his life and his his good upbringing, his incredible breeding, the fact that he was morally and by the law very clean and pure. He was zealous. He had gone to, the, in a sense, a very impressive school. He sat at the feet of a man named Gamaliel. That means nothing to you and I, but that was pretty impressive at the time. And he was laying out his resume and going, I became a Pharisee, and I just wasn't any old Pharisee. I was the Pharisee of the Pharisee. I was the most zealous. You know, I was the number one fan, as it were. And he worked his way through, and then we get to verse number 7. So he lays out his natural, his own ability, And then he goes into verse number seven, which we're going to be rereading in just a moment, talking about pressing towards God's goals. Because we often get impressed by our resume. How, look at all the things that I've done. I mean, some of you got looked in the mirror this morning and go, I look good. God, you are lucky to have me in church today. Let's begin reading in verse number seven and see what the Apostle Paul and how he responds. But whatever gain I had, I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth 
of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and counted them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ, verse 9, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own. Remember, he just gave his resume. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I might attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, and here's our principle for today, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul had an overwhelming sense of purpose and direction that came not from his upbringing, not from his wealth, not from his education, but it came from just knowing Jesus Christ. And that's the foundation. As a result of that, he could press forward in his goals and God's plans for his life. He had two purposes and one result. First of all, it is to know Jesus intimately. That was the goal. That's the goal for every single one of us, is to know Jesus intimately. Verse 10, it says, that I may know him. I mean, that right there, if you begin processing and thinking through the ramifications of knowing the God, the creator of the universe, that's incredible. Oftentimes, I can't sleep at night. And it's not just not just heartburn, but it's, it's genuine concern. And I, I lay there in bed at night, and I think through deep things. And it honestly, it actually helps me sleep because it becomes overwhelming that I just fall asleep. But you know what's incredible? That I may know him. I read that through, and I just right across it. And you may do the same thing because it's that I may know him. It's five words. That's absolutely incredible. You have the ability to know the creator of the universe who knows the beginning from the end. And more than we can just know him, he knows you. And he has a plan and a purpose for you. And he says, I don't just know about you. I want you to know me as I know you. And I know you intimately. The Bible says that he knows every thought that we've had. He knows everything that we will do, both good and bad. And that's absolutely incredible. God knows all the things we, we will do to disappoint him and the sin that we will commit and have committed. And he still says, I love you and care for you. So not only to know Jesus intimately, but Paul goes on and it's just to know Jesus' power. Because it's all well and good to say, I know him, but I don't have any of the effect of him. It's kind of like having a, a plug and a, and a PowerPoint. I can know all about how it works. I can know that if I do plug it in, it will work. But you don't actually enjoy the, the power or the effect until you actually plug the PowerPoint in. That's an illustration, but the similar thing with our relationship with God. 
You can know all about God. I want to have a relationship with him so I can experience the power of God in my life. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you place your trust upon Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Bible says that he's made you clean, he's washed you clean, and he lives inside of you. Do you know what's incredible about that? The incredible thing is that you have the power of God plugged in, ready to be used, ready to be drawn on. Knowing the power of Christ in his resurrection, being conformed to Christ, in every way, including, ultimately, it goes on and says, his suffering and, ultimately, his, his death. The result of that, of, of the Apostle Paul and you and I, not just knowing Jesus Christ intimately, but also experiencing the power of Jesus Christ, is that we get to share Jesus Christ with others. In Acts chapter 13, verse 2, it records, while they were worshiping, the Lord and fasting. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. Paul's name became Paul, but earlier it was Saul. Saul, for the work which I have called them. They were set apart for a specific task. Paul and Barnabas were sent out by the church in a, in a city called Antioch in order to go in the world and to preach the gospel to basically be missionaries start churches train people up develop them and go out and then do it all over again and the incredible thing is that's where we are today because people went out and started churches led people to christ and they began new churches and began new churches and began new churches look at us that's where we are today churches start churches and he goes on and says in verse 14 of philippians 3 I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That word press on, the Apostle Paul often uses visual aids when he writes. And this is quite literally the pressing like an athlete. If you're running a race, you can see the, the athletes as they run towards the very end, they often throw their chest forward or they throw their head forward to get that one millisecond they're faster and they stretch forward as a swimmer to the very end of their fingers. Like they should grow their fingernails extra long just to touch the plate that extra bit faster. That's the pressing on. I want the prize or the upward call of God in my life. So I'm going to press towards it. I'm going to strain towards it. It's going to be what encompasses me and focuses my mind and helps me do the things that God has called me and you to do and the incredible thing is god has not called you to be noah i very much doubt if you come to us and say i believe god wants me to build a boat because he's going to flood the earth we'll go he's been there he's done that your calling is unique for you oftentimes we look around at others and we look at them and go well the calling of someone else is not my calling can god really have a call in my life? Can he really have a goal for my life? And the goal for today is to understand setting godly goals. Setting godly goals, the definition for success is an aim, a purpose, or a sense of direction towards which you move all your energies, desires, and efforts. We as humans, we have a priority goal that we are called to establish. We're called to establish a priority goal. The priority goal is universal for everyone. 
And this is not the specific plan that God has for your life. This is the goal for all mankind. Is the fact that he loves us and he cares for us. And every single one of us has the same priority goal. And that is to know Jesus Christ and to know him intimately. To have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. The most famous verse in the Bible, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world. As a result of that, he gave his only son. He loves us and he cares for us. So the priority goal is the fact that the entire world, he wants a relationship with them. In Romans chapter number 8, Romans 8, beginning in verse number 29, it's on the screen for you to follow. It says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. He wants us to be saved in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. So notice, he wants us to be saved, so therefore he called. He's calling. And those who he called, he also justified. He justified through his death on the cross. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. He gave us a plan and with a purpose and a home in heaven one day. So therefore, he wants us to be saved. So therefore, he's doing the calling. He's doing the justifying or the saving. And also, he's doing the glorifying. The goal for every single one of us is to, first and foremost, to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. All other goals follow that priority. The story of a military cook, and he had prepared a very special meal. He had spent hours and hours and hours preparing this meal, and they go into the mess tent, they begin to sit down. All of a sudden, the sirens began going because the bombings were coming, and they were being attacked, and the troops all get up, rushing out, and he stands at the door and goes, Stop! Finish your dinner! That's a pretty ridiculous story. In the, in the scheme of things, the meal means absolutely nothing. But when our priorities are not correct, we don't understand the big picture. We often begin to focus upon the small things that really don't matter. And I believe we should do everything in our best ability to, for the honor and glory of God. But in the big grand scheme of things, whether or not things work, or whether or not we have, and here's a side note, whether or not we have our new chairs or these old school chairs for a couple more weeks, I promise. Come in a couple weeks. I've been promised that we have our new chairs. Whether or not we have chairs, you'll still come to church, won't you? Because our priorities become different and we get focused upon what's really what God's real plan is for our life. The benefit is of, of having a goal that helps us to focus, helps us to set a schedule, helps us in our relationships, helps us in our balance in our, our lives. And let's look for a few moments at the qualities of a person that has goals. And this is to encourage you, because I believe every single one of us gets up in the morning and goes, I want to accomplish something today. I want my life to mean something. And if we're looking in the priority goals of what God has for us, first and foremost, we have a relationship with him. And like, like the Apostle Paul, I want to experience the power of God in my life. So first of all, and if you have your bulletin, these are listed. If not, they're on the screen for you to follow. It's the, first of all, it's a sense of direction. It's a sense of direction. It's nice to know where I'm going to go in the future. 
It's disconcerting to be lost. In fact, it's a horrible feeling to not know where you are. When you first moved to Bunbury, Bunbury compared to Perth, in the northern suburbs of Perth, when I grew up, grew up the freeway runs north and south. You have Marmion on the coast that runs north and south, and Wanneroo Road on the east that runs north and south, and everything's in a, a relative grid. And in Bunbury, everything's crooked. And when you look out, you think that the ocean, that should be west, but actually west is that way, and it's, it's quite confusing. And it, now, now I'm used to it, and I understand, but it takes you a little while because everything's a little bit skewed. It's a, not a good feeling to feel adrift. It's good to have direction and actually understand what you are doing and why you do it. And that gives us, the number, number two is the excitement in life. It's great to have some excitement in life. The opposite is having no excitement in living. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just going through the motions of life. A number of years ago, I worked for my uncle when I was in the U.S. going to Bible college. And over the summers, I would help. And being the short-term summer help, I got the, the important jobs of sweeping and carrying the timber or if they needed nails or needed to run doing you know, the menial tasks. And I could be sitting there with a broom going, so what are you doing, Michael? I could say I'm sweeping a floor or I'm just carrying the wood along. But you know what? If you asked me, and several years ago my family went back to the U.S. and went back and I purposely drove past those houses that I helped build. And if you'd ask me, what are you doing? I'm not sweeping a floor. I'm building a house. And when I drove past with my kids, I go, I helped build that house. And it's still standing. It's a different focus because you have an excitement about life. Also, number three is a, per a person with goals pursues excellence. You don't accept mediocrity. You pursue excellence. You want the very best for your life. The, the mediocrity, anyone can do that. I want the very best for what God has for me in my life. Not only do you your best, but also you can appreciate that in others. And number four is you appreciate others who are successful. When you know that God has a plan for you in your life, you can appreciate what God is doing in someone else's life, whether or just someone that's successful in the eyes of the world. And you go, tremendous, well done, I'm glad for you, and actually mean it without going, I'm very happy for your success. You want to be able to be celebrated because your blessings have no effect on my blessings because I'm doing exactly what God wants me to do. I'm living out his plan and purpose for me so I can celebrate when another church and does well. I can celebrate when another family has success. The Apostle John, as an elderly man, wrote in 2 John um, 1 verse 4, he says, I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in truth as they were commanded by the Father. He says, I re we, we rejoice when other people follow the, the ways of God and do what God has for them. Number five, we have a strong sense of purpose and value and worth. One of the saddest indictments in our society, we've never been more affluent, we've never had more opportunity for education, but we've never been as purposeless as a society, as we are in this generation. And it's terrifying for the next generation. Because the, the slippery slope is incredibly swift and going downward very quickly. And I want to instill in my family's life, and absolutely in your family's life also, a sense of purpose. Not in your 
personal wealth, but in God's plan for you. I want to instill values that we find in God's word, not just found in society. And I want to instill the sense of worth, the fact that you are worth something. You're not the culmination of what you can contribute to society or what the government or what someone else says that you're worth. It's the fact that God says you're worth something. Number six is you seek a creative and active life. We, as a church, we don't try to have a whole lot of programs. But we end up, because of life, living very busy lives. In fact, we, we purposely try to keep things as simple as possible and try to be effective as possible. But we live a very active life. And it's amazing as you begin to you meet people and you get invited out and you do this, 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 you live a very active life. And that's actually a good thing. I would much rather live an active, creative life than a life where I just go through the motions or every, every day is the same day. Number seven is the qualities of a person with goals is they seek a balanced life, emotionally and physically healthy. We have been given an incredible gift. We're called to be stewards or servants of the time that we've been given, the resources we've been given, the, the physical bodies that we've been blessed with. And some of you, we often instantly, as soon as we think of our physical bodies, we instantly compare. Yes, I know. I know. You know what's incredible? You've been given your body. You can't swap it. So thank God for the, what you've been given. And it changes your perspective. Whether or not you're sore and you're hobbling along today, you say, I don't know if you can really say, God, thanks very much for my dead leg. But you can say, God, you've given me another one that works. Thank you. And it changes your perspective. Because on the opposite side of that, we looked at the positive of the quality of people that do have goals. Let's just take a few moments and just a few moments. We're going to walk through this real quick. The opposite side of people who fail to set goals. And this is number three. People that fail to set goals. They engage in self-disqualification. And that is simply because I don't have what they have, therefore I can't. Or you say, I'm just a. And one of the most debilitating statements that you can make about yourself when you think about God's plan and purpose for you is, I'm just a, and you fill the blank in for yourself. I'm just this. If I was that, then I could do so much for you, God. And you begin to self-disqualify yourself. If you look through the, the New Testament when Jesus was calling his disciples, he didn't call those who were the elite. In fact, when the Pharisees were seeing the disciples preaching, they said, how is this coming out of their mouth? How are they seeing, preaching the way they're preaching? These are unlearned men. Basically, that was a really big slam. These guys are dumb. Why? How can they speak the way they speak with such authority and knowledge? Because it was God working through them. It wasn't their education they were relying upon. Also, some people genuinely lack knowledge. You just don't know what you don't know. And the beauty is, we don't want to leave you where we found you. We want to challenge you and encourage you as a church, but also you as an individual. We have incredible resources for learning and developing our skills. And it's not well and good enough quite honestly, in our world today, to go, well, I just don't know. Because with a couple of clicks, we can find answers. 
We want to, as a church, provide opportunities for you to learn. That's why I explore the Bible, which is a, a systematic Bible study that goes through different books of the Bible one by one over the course of a number of years and getting deep into the things of God because we want to help you with that knowledge. Also, C. I put this one purposely third. Some are just too lazy. It's just too much work. I don't think I need to illustrate that one, do I? Some lack faith. You just don't believe. Well, you know, God, I don't think you could do this, so I'm going to have to take this back from you. I'll take one step forward and maybe I'll do another step back or two steps back sometimes. We become all cock and no action. We'd rather do nothing than attempt something that we're not sure that we can do. Some of the most terrifying things in my own personal life have been the greatest blessings because I recognize, and I'm realizing this more and more as time goes on, I can't do this on my own, and neither can you. Also, E is some fear failure, afraid of rejection and disappointing of others. There's a cancer researcher who time and time again was going through disappointment because they would have all these tests and I seen something at the end of the tunnel as it were that was going to work to, to kill this cancer and again and again and again it would fail. A reporter came and interviewed this cancer researcher and said, are you not disappointed with all of this failure? And he turned it around in a beautiful way and he goes, no, I'm encouraged. I know three more things that are not effective in fighting this particular type of cancer. That's a great way to look at it. God, you're not here me here as a waste. I'm learning. I often learn better through my failures than I do through my successes. Thank you, God, for what you're teaching me. And then finally, is some are short-sighted about the future. We forget. We fail to remember the fact that we're made for eternity. And our short time here on earth is but for a moment. I'm going to leave you with four questions. They're in the bulletin, but also you can follow along on the screen. I'm just going to walk through them really quickly, and I want you to process this. First of all, ask God, why is this important to you? You're thinking about goals, thinking about God's calling in your life. Is this actually important to you? Does God, do I really need to spend a whole lot of time debating in my mind, should I have the chicken or the beef? I don't think that's what we're talking about here. What we're speaking of is the fact that God are the goals that you're giving to me in my life, are these important to you? I guarantee if they're from God, he'll say, yes, they are important. Number two, ask about every goal that you set. Does this fit into God's plan for my life? Does this actually fit or is this a side goal? Is this a distraction or something that's going to take me away? It looks good, but is it actually part of God's plan? Number three, is this goal Totally in line with God's word. We can do some absolutely horrendous things in the name of God when we take God's word and skew it. And we take it from where it actually should be. And finally, ask about each goal. How might the accomplishment of this goal bring blessing to others? I want to close with that. How can the accomplishment of this goal bring blessing to others? Why don't you stand with me? In a moment, we're going to sing a song. And I want you to mull around in your mind. God has a plan. God has a purpose for your life. He has goals for your life. Will you allow God to guide you and direct you?
Lord, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your care. Thank you for giving us a plan and with a purpose. You've not created us by mistake, by any stretch of the imagination. You have a, you have a reason for us. Lord, I pray that we won't waste that by not having the faith, not having the, the resilience. But Lord, I pray that we will seek that intimate relationship with you so we can experience the power and ultimately share that with others. And in Jesus' name, amen.